the word that nobody wants to hear, and that is time. Um, you know, sustainable and long-lasting results take time. And because there are so many different approaches to nutrition and training, and there's always that, you know, quote-unquote, next, next best thing, people are just looking for quick fixes. But in the end of the day, there is no quick fix. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 62 of the Neuro Experience Podcast. I'm Louisa Nicola. I am your host. And today I'm doing a co-interview with Danny Kennedy all the way from Brisbane, Australia. Danny is into flexible training, ladies and gentlemen. He is a very sought after personal trainer, training mostly athletes. He's gotten a world renowned name for himself back home and globally with his online training methods. And he's very useful tools in how to lose weight and how to gain strength. Now, the the thing that I love most about this podcast, guys, is he's giving us real hardcore data into how both men and women can go about losing weight, increasing fitness, um, fat loss. We talk about calorie intakes. We talk about mindset of an athlete. We talk about um, goals, life, and of course, we're talking about mental performance and neuroscience. So guys, listen in. I absolutely loved doing this. Take notes and always take action. Um, obviously, you're a mental performance coach. So for those that are listening, what, what is that? For someone that has no idea what a mental performance <laughs> coach is, can you give us a bit of an outline of, uh, of what your, I guess, job description is? Yeah, great question. Look, I get asked that a lot because uh, it's something that not a lot of people have heard of. And it's li- literally plain and simple. What we do at NeuroAthletics, that's my company. I started it um, five years ago now. What we do is we are we work with the brain. So cognitive enhancement, whether you're a professional athlete, whether you're a mother, a corporate um, employee, an entrepreneur, whoever you are, um, you'll come to us to help you with your cognitive abilities. And that may, you know, we have a philosophy at NeuroAthletics and that is we get you to think faster, live longer and perform better. Sounds like a good deal to me. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, look, we use cutting edge research and not just that in the lab that um, I've just started in New York City, we've got, you know, over... I would say the neurotechnology we use is there specifically to help anybody who's, you know, let's let's just take example, a, an athlete, okay? We'll get um, a soccer player in if, and the soccer player may be, you know, suffering from some anxiety, okay, which is a common yep. thing amongst a lot of people, a lot of fitness people, especially a lot of elite athletes. And instead of us taking a consultative method and talking to him, we do a brain scan. We look at his brain. We take an EEG, which, you know, measures the um, brain waves in your brain. We look at what's firing. We look at how well he performs under pressure neurologically. And once we do what we call a neuroperformance test, we're able to um, come up with a a six-week training program to train his brain to overcome anxiety. And we may use different things like supplementation. We may look at his sleep patterns. We may look at his hydration. We may look at his blood work. So everything we do to make um, a person better is done neurologically. That's really cool. That's, uh, I find that really interesting. And uh, for those that are listening, I guess, I'm sure your audience has heard it before, but for those who are listening um, to the Fitness and Lifestyle podcast, 
although we'll refer a lot today to athletes and people in fitness, like keep in mind that a lot of this stuff, um, I'm sure, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm sure a lot of this stuff refers to people that aren't playing sport as well. Obviously, anxiety is a massive uh, a massive uh, thing that, that is popular or uh, in just in general public as well. Oh, 100%. Look, we always say that, you know, at neuroathletics, we say the mind is what the brain does. If you want a strong mind, you have to look, you have to go to the source. Now, what we find in 2018 is that, you know, we're getting more educated on the brain, but we're still hearing a lot of mindfulness. And I use inverted commas when I say that because we hear the word mindfulness, mindset and um, mental toughness, but we don't really know where it comes from. And we, you know, we can go out and, you know, have a great mindset. We can do some, we can do some meditation. We can do some breathing exercises. We can think positively. But if we haven't got a a correct, uh, if we haven't got a brain that's functioning correctly and at its peak, then you're not going to have a good mindset. So yeah, anybody can really come to us. Love that. Yeah. Um, So on average, how much? I don't know if this is a question that, that you can answer, but on average, how much of our brain are we actually utilizing each day? The general, like a general person, uh, a normal person, how much are we actually utilizing? Uh, such a, that's such an interesting question because there's this um, controversy going around right now about we only use 10% of the brain. Have you heard that? Yeah, well, yeah, I'd had heard a number, a, a few different figures thrown around, uh, but all I knew is that it wasn't much. No, look. I'm going to put it out there. We use 100% of our brain 100% of the time. Okay. Yes. Now, this whole 10% thing, it's it's a myth. It doesn't exist. We use all of our brain. Now, the thing is our brain atrophies just like your muscle does. Now, it's, you know, what happens when you do, uh, when you train your biceps? They get bigger right? They get bigger, they strengthen, they can take more load. It's the exact same thing with the brain. The more that you use it, the the stronger it gets and it actually grows over time. If you do specific mental brain exercises, your brain grows. And if you stop doing things to help it grow, it atrophies. So, so use it or lose it, basically. 100%. Look, it's, I mean, you're a, like you're a personal trainer, correct? Yeah. How many clients do you see on a daily basis, do you think? Let's just say 10. 10 on a daily basis. How many, a, a percentage of 10, how many come to you with an issue and they think it's a, a body issue or a fitness issue, but it's really starting with their mindset? Uh, I would say, yeah, a, a relatively high percentage of them, yeah. How do you get around that? I'm always interested to know how PTs, because when you're a personal trainer and you're in the fitness space, you're not just a personal trainer. You're everything. You're a psychologist. You're a PT. You're a physiotherapist. How do you get around that? Look, what I've found works really well for me is one, obviously the education side of it needs to be huge because if I've got a client who comes to me and let's say, for example, obviously a very common uh, goal in the health fitness industry is to lose fat. Mm. Uh, but their mindset may suck. They may, their motivation may not be great, or they they are just in a in a bad mental state because what they've tried in the past hasn't worked. But a lot of the time, what they've tried in the past, they actually have no idea why they've tried it or what the actual method is what they were utilizing. So for me, it's all about educating uh, my clients on on the very basics of fat loss, the basics of strength training, nutrition supplementation recovery all that stuff um in between so that 
the process in their mind is a lot more simplified and broken down. So um, it's it's so easy with the amount of information there is in the health and fitness industry now. It's hard to sift through all the shit, basically. Mm. Um, so if you're so confused as to what's working, what's not working, what you should be doing, what you shouldn't be doing, uh, I find it's very hard to be in a positive, have a positive mindset, or go into um, you know a, a health and fitness goal feeling confident that you're going to achieve it if you don't actually know the process of getting there. Oh, um, so in a way, I guess it's similar to what, uh, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but it might be similar to what you would do with a client. So you're actually training their, you're training their brain. I'm training their brain in a way of uh, educating them so then the physical side of things becomes just part of the process and their, their mindset around it is much more confident. Um, their, their cortisol levels are lower because they're not stressed about whether or not what they're doing is going to work because mm. they're confident that the process they're following will work. Is it more so of a patience game? Because I know, especially when it comes to women and, you know, they want to lose body fat and maybe they're sitting at around 30% and they want to go down to 23% and they want it done within, you know, four or five weeks. It's a, it's more of a patience game, isn't it? 100%. And I actually sent out an email to my list, my email list the other day. Uh, and the subject of the email was the word that nobody wants to hear. And that is time. Um, you know, sustainable and long-lasting results take time. And because there are so many different approaches to nutrition training and there's always that, you know, quote-unquote, next next best thing, people are just looking for quick fixes. But in the mm. end of the day, there is no quick fix. And any time that you have drastic changes or um, drastic results, then they're not going to last. So I spend a lot of my time, I guess, trying to, like I said, educate the client or, or even anyone that follows any of my stuff on social media or is on my email list, educating them on the process and getting them to understand that it does take time and that once – I find once I can change a client's mindset from getting results as fast as possible to switching over to actually enjoying the process and understanding that it will take time and, in fact, most of the time, the longer it takes, the better results are going to be. So, for example, mm. fat loss, the quicker you lose fat, obviously the more uh, extreme your nutritional approach is going to be, the likelihood of losing more muscle mass is a lot higher um, and the likelihood of actually sticking to it is very low because the process of getting there is going to stuck. Mm. Um, there's really no two ways about it. Whereas if I can teach someone to do it in an approach that's actually flexible and more sustainable, then one, it's going to be a lot more enjoyable and two, it's, it's going to the likelihood of that lasting is a lot higher because they don't feel uh, it doesn't suck as much. The process doesn't suck as much. Mm. You know what I'm really interested in when it comes to nutrition, it's nutrition's everything. And we look at that at, you know, with what we do, because obviously whatever you're ingesting, it's going into, you know, it's feeding your brain. Your brain's very selfish. It takes, it consumes a lot of calories. It actually consumes 30% of all the calories that you ingest. Your brain is very selfish. So there's this thing called brain inflammation. Now it's a really, you know, common thing to look at because it's, you know, when we get inflamed in our knee, for example, the symptoms that present is swollen, you know, you get swollen or it's puffy or it's sore. Whereas when we have brain inflammation, the symptoms of brain inflammation are anger, uh, frustration, <laughs> sadness, depression. And we just, we don't look at that. We don't look at things and say, we don't, you know, we get frustrated or depressed and we don't think it's our brain. So I love looking at nutrition and something that I've become really, really fascinated in is the ketogenic diet. Now, 
I don't know where you stand on that, but as a cognitive health perspective, I I love it. Um, I think it's great. I think if you can become a fat-burning machine, um, then the ketogenic lifestyle when cycled is really good. Um, but I don't know what your thoughts are on that, and I'd love to pick your brain on fat versus carbohydrates. Yeah, I think, look, in my opinion, I think um, the cognitive benefits of the higher-fat diet um, there is a lot of evidence there and I think it's, um, you know, I, I think there are a lot of benefits there and, uh, and the people, the people that are actually, so the thing, the thing, my opinion with ketogenic diet is this. So if you're someone who can actually 100% follow the ketogenic diet in the manner that it's actually meant to be followed to the point where you're seeing the benefits of a ketogenic diet and not just a, a high fat diet where that you follow 80% of the time uh, and call it ketogenic diet because it isn't. Mm. Um, the benefits of following that are huge. And mm. if you, in your mind or your lifestyle, you know that you can stick to a ketogenic diet to see the actual benefits, then I'm all for it. Mm. The problem that I see a lot of the time with, uh, with, I guess, the general public or people that are just, I guess, trying their hand at a different number of nutritional approaches is that no one ever really gives it enough time to see the proper benefits or like I said, they're, they're not actually following it for long enough to see the, the true benefits. Um, so what I always say with people that I work with is that you need to find a way of eating. Now, whether that is higher fat and very low carbohydrate, whether that is higher carbs and lower fats or whatever it may be, whether it's vegan, vegetarian, paleo, whatever it is, if you know that you can stick to work for the rest of your life and it's going to fit in with your lifestyle, then that's the approach that you need to follow. Because uh, a lot of the time, even, you know, a saying that I say a lot is that the most optimal approach for nutrition, for training, whatever it may be, is not the most optimal approach if you can't stick to it. Mm. So, um, yeah, I don't know. There, there's a lot of evidence to show that the, the higher fat in terms of cognitive uh, function and stuff is highly beneficial and I'm sure you've looked into a lot of that yourself. Mm. It's um, The thing that I get really stuck on is in the fitness world, it's you know eating oats with your water, with your protein powder is the way to go first thing in the morning and then you've got the um, you know, the biohackers and the neurohackers that hate grains and hate oats and it's like I'm torn between two worlds here. Oh, 100%. And that is, <laughs> that is, the, uh, that is the health and fitness industry in a nutshell. Um, there's, there's pros and cons to every single approach and there's an argument for every single approach. But in the end of the day, like I said, it's, it, it really does come down to what you as an individual can stick to for the rest of your life for an extended period of time. And now obviously there's certain periods where, um, and this is probably more so for the professional athlete or someone that's highly driven, that there may be periods where you do need to stick to an approach that isn't sustainable um, for what, a specific goal, a given goal. Mm. Uh, but for the general general public, I think um, if you know you can stick to it, then then that's the way to go. But there are a lot of benefits, yeah, as you mentioned, uh, to, mm. to the higher fat um, intake. And there's even, you know, like it doesn't even necessarily need to be ketogenic. So, um, you know, I've had clients who, uh, so I'm very big on, on following macros and flexible dieting. So I've had clients who do find that their most productive part of the day is the morning. So we'll try and structure their macro breakdown for the day that their first couple of meals of the day are predominantly protein and fats and their carbohydrate intake is a lot lower and they'll take in most of their carbs later in the day because they find that their productivity, 
their mental clarity, their ability to to focus is a lot higher with with the fats and protein with minimal carbs early in the day. So, you know, I guess everyone's different, but it's just a matter of finding what works for you and sticking with that. Mm. And then, you know, there's that debate and then you've got the whole stay away from cardio. No, do increase cardio. No, you know, increase weights. You, you know, girls have got to do heavy weights and it's just like, what are you meant to do? I wish, you know, in a perfect world, I wish I could just have my own personal trainer, my own um, chef just with me 24-7. Then I wouldn't have to think about anything. <laughs> That'd be good, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, actually, I was recording a podcast earlier and uh, the guest and I, we were talking about um, similar thing, like that there, there is so much out there that it's hard not to get caught in the trap of doing what you think you should be doing mm. and – there's a big difference between doing what you think you should be doing or what, or what's seen to be the best thing at the current time or what's popular and actually doing what feels right for you. Mm. So I've got clients who absolutely love cardio uh, and don't enjoy weights as much. So most of their energy expenditure does come from the cardio, but there's other clients where they've found that to, you know, in the end of the day, energy expenditure is energy expenditure. If you're burning calories from lifting weights or burning calories from doing cardio, you're still burning calories. So, you know, I've got clients that are doing pretty much no cardio apart from um, some general aerobic fitness stuff just to maintain heart health, which they're getting from the strength training anyway if it's at a higher, high enough intensity. So, again, like it's, it all comes back to the same thing. What works for you, what you enjoy the most and what you're going to stick to is what's going to be the most optimal approach for you, I think. Oh, I'm so happy you said that because I love my cardio. Yeah, and that's fine. That is absolutely fine. Like everyone's got their opinion and, you know, I have my opinion on what I think is most effective. But again, it just comes back to if it's not going to be effective for you, then it's pointless. Yeah. Now, I'm massive. someone I interviewed on the podcast, which I think it relates heavily to both the brain mindset and um, fitness and overall health. I interviewed a sleep doctor. Now, it's so interesting to note um, the differences in sleep because sleep, you know, we now know how important it is. You can't, you know, gone are the days where you can get by with five hours worth of sleep and be completely productive. Um, But what I found interesting was that the fact that it doesn't matter about quantity. It doesn't matter if you're sleeping eight hours a night, 10 hours a night, seven hours a night. It's more about the quality of sleep. And, you know, he suggests that you sleep, the best time to sleep for your body is, you know, with the circadian rhythm is between 10 p.m. and 2 2 a.m. And if we get in those, you know, that four hours of golden prime time sleep um, where we're releasing a lot of melatonin, then it's going to help us actually lose weight. That's so interesting. Do you do you even do you go into sleep? Yeah. Do you go into that with your clients? Look, I, I to be perfectly honest, haven't gone into that much detail. I'd love to have a listen to that episode actually, and and um, and hear what what they had to say. That sounds really interesting. I'm, mm. you know, I am probably not the best in terms of how much sleep I get. I'm definitely not because you know I'm up early in the morning at night time. I struggle when I get home to just. You know, eat, sleep, and uh, sorry, eat, shower, and just go to sleep. I tend to do some emails and stuff, and definitely don't get enough sleep. But I think the quality of sleep that I do get is really good, and that's something that I'm really uh, adamant with with a lot of my clients is that you need to be focusing on quality sleep. Now, whether that means before bed you don't use your electronics for a while, or whether mm. that means on your phone you put your you know the night uh, whatever the night uh, 
version or whatever it is where where it changes mm. the uh, the no, color no. of the screen. I've I've been playing around with um, using blue light blocking glasses mm. uh, lately when I am using my phone or watching TV or whatever it may be. Um, you know, having a cold shower before bed, all these different things, using melatonin, whatever it may be, to try and get that high quality sleep because it does make such a difference not only to your recovery but even to your cortisol levels, making sure that your your stress is lower, making sure that you're getting that time to recover and train well the next day or whatever it may be that you're that you're doing. Mm. Um, sleep is so important. And like I said, I can be much better at it myself, but the importance that I put on it for um, for my clients is huge. Mm. Do you place importance on hydration and drinking water? Oh, so much, so much. Um, you know, there's there's obviously there's formulas and stuff you can do to to basically give you a number that you should be aiming for. But everyone that I talk to, regardless of whether I'm talking to um, you know the average Joe that comes to the gym or an Olympic athlete or a professional athlete, it's always for me the advice is always drink more than what you're currently drinking now. Because mm. I've had people that are professional athletes and they have been for, you know, a long time and something as simple as drinking more water has completely changed the way that they've felt throughout the day, their mood levels, their energy levels, their recovery, their performance. Um, it's it's unbelievable how much of a difference it does make whether you are hydrated or dehydrated. Mm. I love that. I always try and drink at least three litres a day and that's also brain health and hydration and body health as well. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Now, there's a question that I wanted to ask you. Actually, is in regards to going back to to the um, to the the brain side of things. So, is there something that we are doing in general each day, or um, something that's having an impact on our ability to to use our brain? Is there, you know, whether it be too much screen time, whether it be um, I don't know. Is there, is there something that you see that's common that we do from day to day that is having a negative effect on our cognitive ability? 100%. I'm so glad you asked that. Now, it's I can give you right now probably about 100 different things that we're all doing on a daily basis that's resulting in what we call cognitive decline. But if I can pinpoint one thing that almost everybody is doing, it is checking their phones the moment they wake up. Now, listen to this. Your brain operates at 10.5 wave cycles per second for the first 20 minutes upon waking up in the morning. Now, what does that mean? It means that, see, we're usually operating at around 24, but we're operating at 10.5 first thing in the morning. Now, this means that we are very susceptible within the first 20 minutes, whatever we take in, in the first 20 minutes of every morning, we take that in and it primes your brain for the rest of the day. Now, if you're waking up and the first thing that you check is Instagram, immediately you have told your brain, first of all, you haven't given yourself the energy, you've given somebody else the energy. Now, if you look at you, if you look at Instagram and you see something you don't like, your brain immediately registers it as a threat. Now, we you would know with cortisol, your brain your brain registers danger all the same so if we've got a lion running after us or if we see something negative on instagram it registers at the same as the same thing it doesn't know the difference it doesn't know the severity it just says danger let's um increase cortisol level let's start to shut down the body and just keep pu- pumping blood through now if this happens yeah. Is that kind of like fight or, fight or flight? Fight or flight gets switched on. Now, if this happens first thing in the morning, you've already 
your your body is already in fight mode. You're already your body's ready to to kill people first thing in the morning. Okay, and this is without even leaving your bed. So the, the, that's the first thing that we do that's really resulting in poor cognitive health. Um, the second thing that's I would say that we're doing above, you know, eating right and sleeping and you know all the all the main things, it would be negativity. Okay, now you've heard of. Uh, neuroplasticity it's the the brain's ability to change itself so you can change your brain is like plastic okay you can change it and rewire it and you rewire it via thoughts now if you're having negative thoughts on a daily basis you keep telling your brain that you're unhappy and that you know there's negative things happen so it basically your brain just registers it, it it stays fixated on negativity now if your brain is you know 80 percent of it is negative it sees other things as negative so i think that's right. where it starts and i know you know i know we see things you know posts on instagram about being positive and you know get rid of the negative thoughts but i don't think we really understand what it's doing to our health every time you have a negative thought you are creating a a new neural pattern which is resulting in a new pathway, if you will, in your in your brain, which is then it's changing the structure of your brain. Just like food changes um, the structure of our DNA, we can change the structure of our brain with a negative thought. So I think if I had to pinpoint two things, it would be negative thoughts and checking your phone first thing in the morning. That's really resulting in poor brain health. So for someone listening now that has just heard that and, you know, they may be someone that does check their Instagram and I think probably, let's be honest, most people are in that boat of waking up and either checking emails or checking Instagram, um, Facebook, whatever it, whatever it may be. Mm. Uh, so, so my current routine, for example, is that I'm trying to not check my phone when I wake up. I do find it hard because I'm the type of person that if I, know, if I see I've got emails that are there, like I tend to look at them or whatever it may be. So if... So my current routine at the moment, I'll wake up, I'll usually have a glass of water, then I'll do five to ten minutes of meditation, I'll write down my daily goals, have a coffee, have breakfast, and then you know I might do some emails and go to work. Mm. What could I improve there? Or what is a morning routine or something that people can implement as of right now after listening to this episode in their morning routine to make sure that they are starting their day in the best way possible? Great. Once you wake up, this is my morning routine and this is a routine I get all of my athletes on and it's a non-negotiable. Morning routines in our programming are non-negotiables. Wake up and the first thing that you want to do is meditate. Now, meditation is, it can come in all forms. We practice um, TM or Vedic meditation, which is literally you just, you want to sit there, um, have nothing obstructing your neck and you want to sit there for at least 12 to 20 minutes. Now, the more experienced you are, I would say 20 minutes. But if you're not experienced in meditation, I would say sit there for 12 minutes and meditate. And once you've finished meditating, go through what I like to do is a visualization process. Now, visualizing, so 
there's this, um, you know, there's this theory in neuroscience that suggests that your brain doesn't know the difference between what is real and what is not. Now, if you can access the area of your brain um, that's responsible for this, which can be done through meditation and through visualization, you basically trick your brain into thinking that something is real. This is why we visualize. Now, I get all of my athletes to visualize their end goal. I only spend five minutes doing this, four to five minutes, just really sitting there deeply, visualizing yourself in 10 years, in 20 years, in 30 years, like what is your end goal? You sit there on it and you visualize it, you see it in your head and you can't just think about it. You t- for visualization to work, you have to involve all the senses, you have to involve smell, you have to involve touch, you have to think about what you look like, what's the surroundings around you, really visualize it so when you open up your eyes, you feel like you are actually there in that space. So, and then finish it off with um, what I like to say, it's box breathing. So it's just a, a form of breathing where you inhale for four seconds, hold for four seconds, exhale for four seconds, hold for four seconds. Now that there, those three things, if you can do that day in and day out for a month, I guarantee you will change your mindset. You will change your energy levels. You will change the way you think about things. Your productivity will go through the roof and don't check your phone for the first hour of every day. Awesome. Love that. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I, I actually very much like that um, routine and I think I really do um, think that if you can get on board with some sort of morning routine, even if it's not you know in that exact order or if it's not exactly those things, you will be on the path to a, a much better day. I oh, couldn't agree more. Now with, uh, with neuroathletics, mm. when did that start um, and I'm going to add a question to that in, and that question is what are most athletes – um, that you work with, what it, what is holding them back? Good question. So, uh, you know, what's holding them back? There's some, you know, it's easy for me to get an athlete that has a challenge. You know, we've got, I've got a lot of athletes. I've got ones who have suffered multiple concussions. Um, I've got ones who are suffering from, you know, they're not, they're getting poor sleep or they've got anger management issues. Or and then I get ones who are actually pristine and who are at the top of their game. Some of the NBA players who are absolutely amazing and they just come to me just to be better. And that's the hardest thing. It's like, you know, it's like if someone came to you with an apps and they were, you know, the peak at their fitness and health and they said to you, I still want to be better. Um, so you know, we get we get a myriad of different issues. I've got somebody with OCD, a, a professional boxer, and she's very open about that. I've we get so anything that you can think of when it's you know depression, brain health, and look. Then there's a lot of people who come for anxiety. That's a really big one. We've got mild forms of anxiety, and then we've got really you know severe you know anxiety issues. And it's you know what makes it tricky is when you are taking into consideration the medications that they're taking. Um, so what would happen is once anybody, whether they're in the corporate space, whatever they're in, they come to us, we do a, f- a full 90-minute neuroperformance examination where we examine their um, neural output, we examine their brainwaves, we do a comprehensive EEG, we test their vision. Um, I'm really big on vision right now and its correlation to brain health. So we do a lot of um, eyesight and vision tests 
and we take them through all that. And once we get all the data, once we know how well they're performing um, neurologically, we then scale them on a scale of one to 10. And, you know, a lot of them for about 20 different tasks, maybe they're receiving three out of 10, 10 out of 10, um, their focus and capacity and attention span may be really low. So then we, um, we work out a way to work on that. So yeah, there, you know, focus would be another one. A lot of people come to me and they're like, you know, I just, I lose focus. I can't focus. And yeah, I love working on focus. So does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, it definitely does. And then just taking a step further back, I'm sure, I'm sorry, I should have asked this in separate questions, but with neuroathletics, when did this all come about and how did it come about? Yeah, I was a triathlete for Australia. So I was training and, um, you know, I went to, I, well, I was training to be an Olympian. Um, and then on the road to Beijing, I, I made it to Beijing, which was really, um, really positive, something I'd been working so hard for, um, training full time as an athlete. And three weeks before going to Beijing, I got hit by a car and I had to forfeit my place. And, um, that was back in 2011, 2010, I think. And when I got hit by a car, it changed my entire life. I became really obsessed with my own mindset and I started hacking my own brain. I started thinking of ways that I could go to the world championship series and overcome my injuries and overcome my surgeries, um, in a different way other than just, you know, training. So I became obsessed with the brain. I became obsessed with knowledge. I went to university and studied, um, an undergraduate degree in sports science. And then I went on to get my master's degree in mathematics. And it was then that I really delved into neurology, neuroscience. Um, I learned about the algorithms behind brain waves, and I started working with athletes from then. And I've been now for five years, I've worked with some of the best athletes in the world, some of the best CEOs, Fortune 500 companies. I now have, um, uh, I now have my lab, my performance lab in Manhattan in Tribeca, which is um, which houses all of my equipment, all of my neurotechnology, and yeah, I've just been attacking it seven days a week, three hundred sixty-five days a year. Um, that's all I do, just brain, brain, brain. How can I improve? Um, a hu- how can I elevate human performance? How can I make somebody better um, by working on their brain? That's awesome, and for my listeners of um, of my podcast, you're actually from Sydney, are you? Correct, Newcastle, actually, Newcastle. Fellow Aussie, yeah, I'm a fellow, fellow Aussie. Aussie. And how long have you been over in New York for? Look, on and off for a year, but now consistently for um, four months. Awesome. Um, now I've got a couple more questions on my end before we wrap things up. I don't know if there's anything else that you were you were wanting to ask on your end. Yeah. Um, so the first one of that is nutritional, uh, nutrition, sorry. And I guess more so supplementation. Now I know when we had a chat last week, we kind of briefly touched on this, Mm. um, but I've been looking a lot into like nootropics and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Is there is there certain supplements that you would recommend um, in, that are going to help in enhance our cognitive ability that we can add into our daily routine, or is that something that you don't really touch on? Yeah, no, I definitely touch on that. It's a, a it forms one of the um, 
the key components of our training um, methodologies and what we do. Now, here's the interesting thing. When it comes to nootropics, you know, there's so many things to take into consideration. And one is there is no point in even taking um, any type of supplement if you haven't got a, a good diet happening, you know, and you would know that. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you don't um, – tell your clients well I actually don't know do you do you advise supplementation for your clients even if they don't have the a, a healthy diet already uh, no you just hit the nail on the head so I, I'm really big on getting the point across that supplements are purely there as the word would suggest to supplement your diet supplement yes. your nutritional habits to work alongside what your current goal is so if you're your training and your nutrition is not on point and supplements aren't going to do a thing for you. That's exactly how I feel. And the, you know, the biggest, you know, the, the biggest thing I want to stress is nootropics are fantastic and they can enhance your your brain and your cognitive function and they can really um, diminish brain fog, which is the number one reason why people do take nootropics in the first place. Um, I would definitely suggest cleaning up your diet first, getting the um, right amount of sleep and hydration and then looking at some nootropics. And when you do, the next thing you really need to look at is the quality because there is a lot of shit happening right now. I'm seeing a lot of it come out of... <laughs> Sweden. Um, I'm, I'm seeing some good things coming out of Australia, but um, the leaders are right now in um, in California, and I've been fortunate enough to um, be associated with some great brands. Um, so the second thing I would look at when looking for a new tropic would be the quality of the supplement. Um, now, in terms of which ones to take, there are some. You know, I take about I take about twenty different um, pills a day pills, um, vitamins, uh, nootropics. um, And that's because the space I'm in, I'm always trying new things and hacking new things. But a really big one that I'm onto is L-tyrosine. I'm spreading the love for L-tyrosine. Absolutely love it. And, um, you know, you can pick some up. The best brand I've come across is um, Bulletproof by Dave Asprey. And there's some other ones out there. But um, L-tyrosine would be a really great one to start with. Um, you know, then there's some which basic. Will, which has what effect? So L-tyrosine really helps you when it comes to, you know, I won't even get into the neurotransmitters and how it, it helps in that yeah. sense. But I will say that it really helps with um, clarity. You know, when you first wake up in the morning, you have a first thing in the morning. You know, when you wake up and you've got, sometimes you've got a foggy brain, you kind of like, it's like, yeah, I've had eight hours sleep and I'm still feeling a bit gluggy and it really helps you get rid of that. And it, it gives you um, a lot of, it, it gives you clarity. I can't explain it other than it just gives you clarity and clear of mind. Um, it feels like you've, it, it enhances your energy levels um, cognitively. So you're able to see better, you're able to think faster, and it just really energizes your brain. It feeds your brain. And I would, I always recommend that. That's the number one thing I recommend. Um, and, you know, then there's some other basic ones like, uh, zinc and copper, it's always a staple of mine. There's some staples that you can be taking and then you can start um, going into, you know, if you want to be really specific you know, here in America, a lot of people are taking prescription drugs um, to enhance their abilities and I wouldn't suggest that for anybody, but um, yeah. yeah. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, and then lastly, before uh, this, this will be my last question anyways, what can the listeners start doing um, 
as of right now, similar to the morning routine, is there anything else that we can be doing today to, to enhance um, our brain's function aside from the meditation and, and the way we start our day? Um, and, and obviously aside from the nutrition, um, hydration and sleep, which I guess probably covers most of the main things anyway. No, look, what I've just given you is baseline measurement. It's baseline things that we should all be doing no matter what age we are. But if we want to get really specific, okay, because that's all mindset stuff I've just given you. That's, you know, mindset. Yeah. If we want to get specific and grow this, this hunk of meat that's sitting inside our skull that we call a brain, we really want to do things like um, if you, you know, if you go on and look on my either my YouTube or my um, Instagram page, you'll see me with two balls just hitting them up against the wall, training my reaction time. Now, things like this where you're training both the left and right hemispheres of your brain, you're getting your vision, um, you know, you're getting, you're training your vision, you're increasing your BDNF, which is your brain-derived neurotropic factor, which is um, a, a hormone release when you exercise. And if you're doing all this at the one time, your, your brain is under so much pressure, you're training it. And that's how it's going to grow. So if I can suggest anything, it would be doing little things like balancing um, balancing on one leg and throwing a ball or doing mathematical equations with your eyes closed or spelling names uh, or, you know, thinking of um, the capital of countries and then, um, you know, spelling their, their names backwards. Anything that's going to challenge you, like um, a really good one um, that we give some of our corporate employees is when you wake up in the morning, write down your goals using your non-dominant hand because, it really makes your brain think because and it's so hard so doing things that's going to challenge you like that is going to be definitely beneficial for your brain i love that that's great and that's definitely stuff that can be implemented straight away yeah i um before we finish off i've got some questions i want to ask you that's more related to you know you and how you find the space that you're in and with fitness being such a, a growing market, especially with the amount of people wanting to become fitness trainers, what do you see as the um, biggest challenge or biggest problem within the fitness industry in Australia? Let's because I know there's a big there's a big difference between the Australian fitness industry and the American one. So let's stick to the Australian fitness industry. Yeah, for sure. And and this yeah, this will be kind of aimed more towards Australia, but I think there are definitely some big similarities. So the first thing I think, especially in terms of becoming a fitness trainer, um, is the fact that it is too easy now. It is way too easy and too quick to become a fitness trainer and be qualified to basically either improve or have a very negative effect on someone's life in regards to controlling their training and and whether it may be their food or um and even giving out supplement supplement recommendations and stuff like that but the fact that the courses are so quick um and you can be qualified to be a trainer now uh without having to do a great deal of training yourself i think uh is not a great thing i think the long it should take longer like all great things take time so if you're able to become a qualified trainer from a absolute scratch in you know less than a couple of months now I think it is which is just crazy um, I don't see that as a good thing and and the other thing I think is there's just a lot out there now which is purely out there to make money um, you know there's more people in the fitness industry now that are business 
like-minded or uh, have that business mindset uh, compared to having a mindset of actually helping people and implementing training and nutrition methods that are going to benefit people in the long term um, because they're more focused on what is going to be the next big thing, what's going to sell the most, what's going to be able to make the most money. And I, that's never a good thing. So, you know, the example of, of what I do, like, yeah, obviously everybody wants to make money. I think if someone says they don't want money, then they're lying to you. But my biggest factor is that all the stuff that I do, and I do put a lot of time into whether it be marketing and business and all that type of stuff. But in the end of the day, I'm a trainer. So my main focus is always trying to learn new things to upskill myself and provide the best content and knowledge that I can to my clients or whoever's listening or watching um, so that it's actually going to help people. I genuinely want to help people. And the byproduct of that, if you are helping people and getting results, in the end of the day, you will you will make money. If you're listening to this and you are a trainer or whatever, then your main goal should always be to help someone and have a positive impact on whatever their end result may be. So I guess I've rambled on a bit there, but the two, the two main things I would say um, that aren't great at the moment would definitely be, one, the fact that there are a lot of uh, people out there that are just giving information that's just secondhand information that they've heard somewhere else and, um, and, and giving that out to people that are taking it on board and actually implementing it without any real uh, evidence or anything backing it up. And the second part would be that there's just a lot out there now which is just shit and it's just money-making uh, programs and supplements and, and, and nutritional products. So mm. that would be the two things at the moment in my eyes. I love that. Um, I completely agree with you with the whole it's losing its main focus, um, which is helping people. Because what I'm seeing now, especially coming out of Australia, and I have to put it out there, is these girls who are born very thin and very lean and they're putting up that, you know, try my 30-day challenge and this and that. And I'm like, how can that ever work for a woman who um, was not born thin, was not born with the same metabolic advantage of you? And you're, I, I'm just, I'm baffled as to how uh, a 20, a 20-year-old 20 fresh out of high school um, who's never had to go through any struggles um, when it comes to body image and body weight, how they can help a 40-year-old um, ethnic woman who's had three kids. Yeah. Oh, easy <laughs> is, answer, that, um, easy is that a bad thing? Because it's um, I don't want to put anyone down. And of course, everyone's out there, you know, doing their own thing. I get that. But it just really does, you know, that's a, that is what frustrates me about the fitness industry and I'm, I'm not I'm telling you I'm not seeing it as much in America American fitness industry has their own um, challenges yes um, but what I'm seeing a lot of in Australia is these 20 year old Instagram models who are preaching um, follow my my 30 day challenge or my six week challenge to get lean and lose weight and I'm thinking but you it's like a, it's like a 10 year old um, saying join my maths community and I'll teach, you know, I'll teach the maths professors how to, you know, how to do maths. Yeah. Look, unfortunately there's a lot of it out there and it all comes down to that one, one thing again, quick fixes don't last and they won't work. They, you know, there is no such thing as a quick fix. As I said before, all great things take time. You never look at someone who's at the top of their field or someone that is successful or someone that is constantly fit and healthy year round. And the answer or the way they got there was never a short-term quick fix. It was always extended period of time doing the small things well, consistently well, day in, day out, 
educating themselves and following an approach that's actually sustainable over time to see those results. So as I mentioned, it kind of comes back to that whole money-making thing. And it is frustrating, but uh, look, I think there, there are so many good aspects of social media you know, and and technology, obviously, like this, for example, we're recording a podcast and hopefully helping a heap of people, which is amazing. But uh, with social media not going anywhere, which I don't necessarily think is a bad thing, there is negatives to it. And that, you know, one of those is the fact that um, a lot of people, especially younger people, are impressionable by people they look up to. So, yeah, there's not much you can do about it, unfortunately. But um, hopefully chats like we're having today are able to um, reach more people and have more of an impact. Love that. Now I'm going to end, I'm going to um, finish off with one question that I ask everybody, and that is, if somebody wants to immediately improve their human performance, what is the number one advice that you can give them now um, to implement today? Probably comes in. Probably comes in two parts. Mm. Uh, part one is actually getting clear with what your goal is. Um, so often I'll have someone come to me and say they want to build muscle and lose fat at the same time. Now, unless you're starting out complete newbie or you're uh, extremely overweight or you're using some form of performance-enhancing drugs, you're not going to build a lot of muscle and lose a lot of fat at the same time. It's just not going to happen. So getting clear on your goal and actually being specific and not just saying I want to lose weight or I want to lose muscle. It needs to be I want to lose four kilograms of fat I'm not sure what the conversion is into pounds uh, in um, eight weeks time whatever it may be Um, you need to be very specific with what your goal is and actually come up with a plan and the second part of that is educating yourself on that plan so figuring out what the actual fundamentals are of fat loss in terms of nutrition you know energy in versus energy out making sure that you're getting enough protein uh, with your training actually having some uh, periodized or progressive Uh, aspect to your training and not just going in and just doing what you feel like on the day or what you store on Instagram so I guess it's probably one getting clear with the goal and two actually educating uh, yourself on on how to achieve that goal and not just guessing because you know eating clean you know quote-unquote clean food and just going to the gym uh, just isn't going to cut it it's just a guessing game so get a little bit more specific with what you're after figure out how to get there and make sure you're following those steps consistently. I love that. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Um, I I love to. Where can we find out more information about you? Um, you can visit my website, which is just www.dannykennedyfitness.com. Uh, you can come and check out some of my content on my Instagram, which is at djkfitness. Or you can listen to this podcast, um, if you haven't already, which is the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast, 